And good evening, everyone. Welcome to our continuing series, Elders, Preachers, Deacons, and Saints. Shall we pray? Our blessed Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this lesson, Father. We thank you for all of these lessons. But Father, we thank you also for forgiveness. Father, we thank you for your ability to to completely forgive, not hold on to it until some later time, but just completely forgive. And it's something, Father, I think myself and all of us here need to need to be mindful of, Father, that that when we forgive, we forgive and we forget and move on. Heavenly Father, we pray for the strength of your word. And all of us have weaknesses, including myself, when it comes to not doing the things that we should be doing. But Father, we know that you are a God that forgives. You are a God of second chances. You are a God who who will give us the opportunity to change what it is we're doing and rethink how we have thought. And you teach us, Father, to look forward and not backwards. And Father, we pray that we will continue to do that. Father, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for blessing us. These things we pray and thank you for in Christ Jesus' most holy name. Amen and amen. Tracy, that was not a senior moment that I forgot this. So then, oops. <laughs> so this lesson compares the way, or rather compares the many modern views of the minister to the biblical description of the role, qualifications, and work of the local evangelist. So, so far, so far we have looked at the qualifications, the responsibilities, and the selection process for elders and for deacons. In this lesson, we will look at the role of the preacher, who is sometimes referred to as evangelist or minister. And in an article that appeared in the Christian Chronicle, Dr. Bill Jones describes some of the different roles or models, if you will, that preachers have taken on throughout the years. For instance, you see one on the board there, pulpiteer. When you think of the pulpiteer, you're thinking of the classic pulpit preacher. This individual preached whenever he taught a class. He preached whenever he counseled what, whatever he did. And I, I remember when I first started preaching out in Nikiski, and I was teaching an adult class, and I remember Walt Spooner came up to me afterwards. He said, uh, James, do you know the difference between preaching and teaching? I said, isn't it about the same thing? He said, no, what you just finished doing was preaching. So, so I guess I was considered the conventional, the classic rather, pulpit preacher at the time. So then, so congregational life when it comes to the, the yeah, pulpit preacher, congregational life revolved around the pulpit and the pulpit preacher. But then time passed. 
As time passed, congregations became aware of the greater need for education and began developing educational programs and preachers in essence became teachers and when and 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 when they preached they also explained they also taught moving on in time farther ahead the preacher becomes like the director of the YMCA if you will making sure everyone is involved making sure everyone is busy pulpits become a tool for promoting activities and an involvement with some teaching. Advance forward a bit more. The 1960s brought an awareness of the need for, for social change and improvements and the preacher became the focal point for addressing the ills of society and motivation for the solution of the big problems in, in, in society. And i.e., if you look back at that time for us who were living at that time, what we find is the, many of the African American preachers became activists. As time goes on. Reaching the unchurched became a big thing in the 80s and 90s. So what we found, there were church growth seminars and experts abounded at the time. And the preacher became the goal setters, if you will, and program managers or CEOs. Then there's the resident theologian, where the mindset is, ask the preacher, ask the preacher. What we find is more battles between churches ensue because preachers were in essence shaping doctrine and they they led the fight to have their views, if you will, imposed on others. Then there was there's the pastor, which is fair to add to this list because the preacher as a pastor uh, whether preacher as a pastor or elder would have the responsibilities for counseling, for shepherding, and even defending the faith. When we look at these items that you see on the board here, pulpiteer, educator, program director, activist, manager, CEO, resident theologian, pastor, when we look at these, what we find is this. There is an element of faith in each of these roles because preachers are involved. And since they are, they are involved to a certain degree in every one of these areas. But like elders and deacons, like elders and deacons, the Bible should determine who and what a preacher is and does rather than tradition, rather than human intervention. There are several terms that refer to the preacher. For instance, minister. The Old Testament used this word, minister, and it meant to serve in any capacity, but especially service in the area of worship. The New Testament used this word in the same way, but it became the term for someone who served in a particular capacity in the church. When we look at uh, Ephesians 6 and verse 21, we see how that word minister was used there. Ephesians 6 and verse 21, the Bible reads, but that you also may know about my circumstances, how I am doing, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will make everything known to you. Today this word minister is used to refer to someone who usually serves the church in a paid role. Then there's preacher. 
The Old Testament usage came from a word that originally meant to gather together as to assemble. Then the word developed to refer to one who actually called the groups together. Eventually, this word referred to the one who spoke or the speech given at the assembly. The New Testament word preacher refers to the one who proclaims the message of the gospel. Today, the term preacher refers to the one who gives the sermon on Sunday. Evangelist. Now, evangelist, what you're going to find is not an Old Testament word. It is a New Testament word, which means it's not found in the Old Testament. It is made up of two words. Word number one, good. And the other words, if you will, is announce or to announce. It means one who announces good news or who proclaims the gospel. It is also another word to re- that is used to refer to the preacher. Today, this term, evangelist, sometimes applies to one who does gospel meetings and is, and is not really involved in the work of the local church. So then, but that said, suffice to say, all of these terms refer to the preacher, minister, referring to him as one who serves the Lord and his people, preacher, referring to the kind of ministry he performs as opposed to elders and deacons, evangelist, referring to the tool of his ministry, and that is the gospel of our Lord and Savior Christ Jesus. That is his tool, the good news of salvation. So we've looked at those terms, so let's turn our attention to qualifications for the preacher. You see, unlike elders and and unlike deacons, there are no neat, if you will, passages that list the qualifications of a preacher. So what we need to do is look to examples the preachers themselves of preachers themselves in the New Testament to help us determine the role and qualifications of a preacher. So in the beginning, in the beginning the apostles fulfilled all the roles of elders, deacons, and preachers. With time they developed men who would carry on these tasks as individuals. Elders and deacons, when you think about it, they have a list of qualifications to guide us. Preachers have models. Preachers have models. In the New Testament, we have many men that we have examples of who did this work. For instance, in Acts chapter 8, verse 4, what we find, uh, what we see is the unknown brethren who were scattered from Jerusalem and went everywhere preaching the word. At Acts 8, at verse 12 through 17, we, we see P, uh, Philip, who began as a deacon and then developed into preaching. And he performed signs. Again, we see it verse, at Acts 8. But he also preached in many places to many people, which we see in Acts 8 at verse 26. He was married with children, Acts, 8, uh, Acts 21 at verse 9. Barnabas, who traveled and preached with Paul on his first missionary journey, which we see at Acts 13 at verse 1. Timothy, who Paul discipled and trained, for the ministry, which we see at Acts 16 and verse 2. 
and Titus, who was trained by Paul as well, which we see in Titus 1 at verse 1. Then there was Apollos, who was converted by Aquila and Priscilla, but did great work in developing the faith and strengthened in the church, as we see in Acts 18 at verse 28, as well as 1 Corinthians 3 at verse 6. Then there are the other preachers that are referred to or named in Paul's letters whom we don't have a lot of information about, not a lot of detail at all about them. So then, when we examine the models, when we examine the models, we see a diversity of men. We see young men like Timothy. We see older men like Barnabas. We see married. We see single. We see well-educated like Apollos. And, and, and not just well-educated, but he was also trained through discipleship and the tutoring. Uh, I'm, actually, I should say Titus was trained through uh, discipleship and tutoring. All were preachers, and all of them shared some common experiences. And we're going to list about three of them. The first experience that they shared, they felt called. They felt called. In the Old Testament, the calling of God was was done in special ways through signs and wonders, as we see when God appeared to Moses and Isaiah. In the times of Jesus and the apostles, a call to ministry was still done with signs, like Paul being blind on the road to Damascus and, and, and Christ Jesus speaking with him uh, through the reception of special gifts. But there are still ordinary ways men were called into the ministry, such as Philip was chosen by the church as a deacon and developed into a preacher. Barnabas, moved to generosity by the need of the church, was then selected to help the Christians in Antioch. And this eventually led to his choice to go on that missionary journey with Paul. Timothy and Titus were both chosen and trained in the ministry by Paul. Apollos, who was encouraged by Paul uh, to, to strengthen the church at Corinth. Each of these men had obeyed the gospel. Each of these men was serving in some way when they were called to serve through the ministry of the word. Now, there's very little that these men shared in common other than the fact that they felt that they were called. They felt that they were called into preaching and were encouraged in their desire by someone else in the church. And I think we see that happen in the day by individuals who who uh, go off into the uh, preaching schools and so forth. From what I can see in the New Testament here, and, 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 and you know, I've, I've been at this for a while myself, so I can speak on some experience of myself as well, experience of other people that I talk to. There does come a need to preach the gospel that would not be satisfied by anything else, by anything else other than preaching the gospel. This desire then to preach the gospel is followed by the encouragement of a teacher, a parent, a preacher, or elder, or someone else. So what other thing did they have in common? It was the way that they were trained. In each case, there was a period of formal and informal training. Philip served as a deacon. 
Barnabas worked with Paul and different churches before going out on a missionary journey. Timothy and Titus were trained by Paul. Apollos had formal training in Alexandria, but he was also taught more fully by Aquila and Priscilla. Each of these men spent time in some way developing their faith, spent some time developing their skills. Today, today, we have Bible schools and Christian universities, but there's always that but, isn't it? But we should be aware, and I think all of us can attest to this, that the local congregation is still the best place to train preachers. What else did the commonality did they share? They were commended. The preachers in the New Testament were commended by the apostles or elders. For instance, Philip by the apostles at Acts 6, Barnabas by the prophets and teachers at Acts 13, Timothy by Paul and the elders at 1 Timothy 4 at verse 14, Titus by Paul, we read that in Titus, and Apollos by Paul if we read in 1 Corinthians 3 at verse 5. The call to preach is followed by training in the word. The trainees, which is to say the trainees' work should be confirmed by church leadership. In other words, what church leadership is confirming is this. They're not only confirming the fact that the man was called, but they're also confirming the fact that the man is competent in the word of God. And this needs to be done in order to legitimize the call, in order to legitimize the training, which is... which. Sometimes people do think like this. They think that just wanting to preach is enough. I, I have this desire to preach. Or I, I went off to one of the schools. I went to Freed. I went to uh, Harding. Uh, I, I went to this school or that school. So that automatically means that I, I, I'm a good preacher. But I remember a brother that some of you guys know. His name was... Um, Ralph Brinkley, I remember in his, in his last days, he and I were visiting, and he made this comment. He said, this gentleman, I'm not going to call his name, he said he was a better preacher before he went to school than after he came back from going to the school. And that can happen sometimes. So then, not only do the people think that wanting to preach or going to school is sufficient. Some think that, well, they gave me a job. Obviously, I must be a good preacher because they gave me the job. But you see, being a preacher involves a process that includes the three elements that we've mentioned already. A calling, training, and confirming in the ministry. I might add that the preacher remains qualified the preacher remains qualified so long as his life and his doctrine remains pure. So now we turn our attention from the preacher's qualifications to the work of a preacher. The work of a preacher falls into these broad categories that I'm about to mention. The first one is preaching the gospel. Preaching the gospel. At 2 Timothy 4, verse 2, 2 Timothy 4, verse 2, the Bible says, preach the word. 
Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort, or encourage with great patience and instruction. With great patience and instruction. This is the responsibility for proclaiming the word of God to the world. The methods and the audience, let's face it, they change from culture and they change over time. But the objective remains the same. And what is the objective? It is bringing human beings face to face with the message of the gospel. It is bringing human beings to the knowledge that I am lost and the only hope I have is through the gospel of Christ Jesus. What are some of the tools that we use? Fam strips personal work television or TV evangelism pulpit preaching missions, books, videos radio, internet, live streaming each preacher has a variety of ways each preacher has each preacher rather has a variety of abilities to reach out to as many people as possible with God's word and this preaching the gospel is the primary work of the preacher and we do the church harm when I say we I'm talking about all of us we do the church harm when we do not provide our preacher with the time and resources to do his job in Tony's agreement and that's that's been in this in, in, it was in agreement with Mike and the person before him and the person before him we want him to have that time to go out and get more knowledge. We want him to have that time. We encourage that time because we know that that's important. He needs a break from being up here and being out there with other preachers and continuing to grow in his faith and his walk of faith and his, and his ability to bring us the word. And we want him to exercise that every year because that's important. What's another job of the preacher? To set the church in order. To set the church in order. Titus 1 at verse 5. Titus 1 at verse 5. For this reason, I left you in Crete, that you would set in order what remains and appoint elders in every city as I directed you. The reason, the reason, Titus had to appoint elders is because in New Testament times, the elders were the main teachers. They were the main leaders. They were the main ministers. And it was necessary to select and appoint them because this is what the church needed to grow. In many churches, in many churches, elders serve as a kind of supervisory board, if you will, overseeing the work of the evangelists. But there's a catch here. This system, elders in that supervisory role overseeing the preacher versus as shepherds overseeing the congregation, the system is out of balance. It's out of balance and, and not according to the New Testament. And to be honest with you, it's one reason why churches do not grow is one reason why churches become stagnant. The preacher's job is to establish 
and organized the church according to the New Testament pattern for this reason. Not only that the word of God is proclaimed, but for three other reasons. Another three is this right here. So that the elders can elder, the deacons can deacon, and the preachers can preach. Another role is ministry of the word. Titus 2 at verse 1. Titus 2 at verse 1. The Bible says, But as to you, speak the things which are fitting for sound doctrine. But as for you, speak the things that are fitting for sound doctrine. Paul's instructions to both Timothy and Titus include information that help these preachers minister to the spiritual needs of the brethren. Whether it be in the form of teaching, whether it be in the form of encouragement, whether it be in the form of rebuke, you know, even correction. The work of the preacher is to help the congregation actually apply God's word to every situation in our lives. Apply God's word to every situation in our lives. The key to the success of the preacher's work is the response of the congregation. Now this is kind of interesting because it's no different with elders. You can have shepherds that you're responsible for overseeing as an elder, but it doesn't mean that the sheep will follow. It doesn't mean that the sheep will listen. Well, it is no different with the preacher. The congregation may not respond. Sometimes the congregation stops responding. But you see, the church needs to respond to the call to share the gospel. The church needs to respond to the call to support his preaching through financial giving and involvement. The church, the saints, the brethren, needs to agree that it will submit to not the preacher's word, but the word that the preacher is preaching from God's word. And again, not the preacher. That is how we are supposed to function. That is how we are supposed to function. You know, I learned a long time ago when I first became a Christian that the guy that taught me two men, men Wilbur Wilders and Ray Raymer, of all the teaching they were doing, they said something very plain. They said, when we stop imitating Christ, you keep doing it. And that's where a preacher should be saying, the preacher's not in there, I'm going to leave and y'all follow me. The preacher should be saying, as long as I'm imitating Christ, you can imitate me. But when I stop, you keep following Christ. A submissive church then responds to the message of the preacher when called upon to repent, when called upon to give, when called upon to grow, when called upon to share, 
when called upon to rise up from where we are and work as a family for the betterment of the congregation. I was talking to someone tonight, and we we mentioned he talked said something that was very good. There are people that haven't been in this building for over two years. We as a family need to rise up together to reach out to those people. Not just the elders, not just the preacher, not just the deacons. We as a family need to reach out to those individuals. Why aren't you here? Why aren't you here? We need to rise up and reach out together. Some may come back, some may not. But whether they come back or not, at least they are noticed right here. The family on the bar road did not forget about me. The establishment or restoration of a New Testament church then begins with the proper calling. It begins with the proper training. It begins with the proper ordination. It begins with the proper work of a New Testament preacher. And one thing is a fact. No preacher, no growth. Now, some might say, well, we did pretty good between Mike and Tony. Yeah, we didn't have someone on salary, but we had some very good men that stepped up to do some preaching for us. We did not even be concerned about not having a preacher on a given Sunday morning or a given Sunday evening. Because the men stepped up up to do what we were supposed to do so oops so that is the role of the preacher next week we will look at the role of women in the ministry and uh, after that in two weeks we will be looking at the saints and what I'm planning to do because Tony is going to be out uh, uh, for a week uh, I've I basically cleared this with Tony and I'm going to give him the whole month of June off so uh, I have some lessons that uh, that I will be bringing after, at the end of this one, of this series that will take us through the rest of June so, so Tony in July he'll be refreshed after the 4th of July and ready to rock and roll, right Tony? <laughs> so then thank you all for joining us tonight for everyone that's online and, and want to know how to get a hold of us, the information is there on the slide before you. For those who identify with the congregation, you you are here and you know how to get a hold of us anyway. In a few minutes, uh, we're going to be having a devotional. Uh, this is the middle of the week. And as much study as we can do, this midweek service does have a way of of, of, of enabling us to go forward even stronger for the rest of the week. Because I, I think with all of us, we can all attest to this. Whether Christians or not, life happens. And life isn't always pretty. So thank you all for being here this evening, and we look forward to uh, seeing you next week.